Welcome to The Millionaire's Lawyer, where you'll hear leading professionals share expert advice on how to grow your business and sell it for maximum profitability. If you want to learn lawyer-proven strategies for building and exiting your business, then this is the podcast for you. Your host, J.P. McAvoy, is a business lawyer, college professor, and best-selling author who has been assisting clients start, grow, and sell their businesses for millions of dollars for over 15 years. Will yours be the next? Now here's your host, J.P. McAvoy. Hello, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Glad you could be here. On today's show, we've got Mitchell Beinhacker. He's a business lawyer and a state's attorney operating in New Jersey. He's got a wealth of information, a new book coming out, How Not to Get Sued. That's sort of the theme of today's show. Here's my conversation with Mitchell. Mitchell, thanks for joining us. Happy to have you here today. I guess from New Jersey is where we're recording you from, right? That's true. That's right, JP. Right from New Jersey, we have a decent weather today for Valentine's Day. So it should be nice. There we go. We'll have our, our special Valentine's Day show as we record this on, on Valentine's Day. Thanks for joining. You uh, obviously run a business law practice and yeah. uh, are an entrepreneur in your own right. What are some of the latest things that are coming across your table right now? I see a lot of more business activity. You know, that we're coming out of the pandemic, people are buying and selling. I have clients acquiring you know, other locations from some small business owners are looking to retire. Some people that are kind of fed up after the pandemic, they're like, you know, it's time to move on. So sometimes it's just a purchase of you know, their mailing list. And sometimes it's a purchase of their location and their, their lease and, and the whole nine yards. It could be you know, a bagel shop or a fabric store or a restaurant, looking at some that are looking to franchise or working on some of those concepts. The other half of my practice is like a, a trust, trust and estate. So unfortunately, I do have some of those going on. I have a couple of business owners that were in the middle of transactions and passed away. So and, and actually passed away. Yeah. It's I'm always struck by that myself because again, I do so much for the business owner. And then yeah, you end up into estates matters as well. And right. one thing you know is that you try to plan for it, but you can't always plan for it, can you? Well, I think, yeah, some people don't plan like like they should. And then their families, you know, as much as you you try to do it, you mean to do it, you don't realize that when things happen that you don't, you know, plan for prematurely. I mean, it's just a real, it's a real mess. And, and, you know, families are, they're just distraught, obviously, from losing you. It's hard enough. And I, unfortunately, my father passed away in December. So he was only 79. He was a young guy. Oh, and my goodness. Yeah, so you know personally but, as well. Yeah. Yeah. And well, my, but my mom has a son who's an estate planning attorney. And even then we had obstacles and some accounts that were frozen and we didn't realize. And, you know, she gets stuff in the mail every day, calls me up and is, aggravated or frantic or worried or whatever, I can always deal with it and put her mind at ease. But I get clients that call me and they're like, oh, my mom or my dad is going through this. They don't know what to do. And the children trying to help them, they don't know. So it's not, a, and New Jersey's a very relatively, you know, probate friendly state. Um, having said that, it's still difficult. You know, having no will does not help, does not make it friendly. Not having the original will does not make it easy. You, you have to file in court. Surrogate can't accept a a copy. You can't just kind of go to him and say, well, this is, it is a, it's a copy, but it is the original. You got to make your case. The surrogate is not empowered by law to accept a copy of a will. So you have to get an order by the judge. Could be a simple process or a complicated process. So I know that's a little bit off the top. We're talking small. No, no, it's all part of it actually, uh, because you know, just this, right. The advice for business owners, getting affairs in order. Uh, I say all the time is just, just like you just described. I mean, doing a will is almost a lost leader for the attorney. It's good planning for a client, but the reality is, you know, we get paid a lot better if people do not have uh, things in place. So uh, you yeah. always encourage them to do you the know, work, do, right. do the proper planning so that, you know, it's it's less grief for them. We're not looking for it. We're encouraging them to put these things into place to minimize. Yeah. 
but it goes with the business package. I mean, if somebody's buying a business, selling a business, setting up a business, it's always a second question. Well, you know, you, you are married, you have kids, you have a significant other, whatever it is, do you have a will? You know, it's even worse if they're not married. You know, maybe it's a, even a same-sex couple or a, a heterosexual, whatever it is. I get couples that aren't married and they're just living together and they didn't do that. They can now. And then somebody passes away and the condo was owned by one guy and, the, you know, and there's a family's overseas and it's a mess. Yes. Dealt yes. with, but like you said, that, it gets expensive. Yeah, as you say, even a bigger problem when uh, when not legally married. So, so important right. again as attorneys, <laughs> encouraging people to put the proper agreements in place. What about on the corporate side? What uh, types of what ways? I mean, you you look at companies and and make advice on how to you know best organize. So, as you you know audit a corporation, if a client comes on, they've already been uh, incorporated. What are some of the things that you look to and encourage them to do uh, to get their affairs, their corporate affairs, in order? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's one of the, like the number one things I talk about. If there were top five, this would be the number one things. And that is small business owners, unlike, you know, large corporations or publicly traded companies are not really good at what I call governance. Right. So I don't know if I use that term a lot in the small business arena, but it is the documents that you use to run your business. And a lot of them are not in writing. You have a handshake with your partner. You've been friends forever. You've been dealing with it, or maybe you haven't been friends forever, but you started a business. You know, he or she had some skills. You had some skills. You started this business, got off the ground. You don't have an operating agreement in writing, or you pulled something off the internet that, by the way, 90% of the time doesn't deal with the issue of, well, what if the partnership breaks up? And that's the really the only reason you need it, right? So if everything works out well, you probably don't need it unless you need a bank loan or something like that. So that, that, those are the issue. The biggest issue is that they don't put things in writing. They don't make it a habit to do business in writing. And I've had people say to me, well, you know, it's kind of uncomfortable because, you know, what am I going to do? Whip out this contract, you know, when I'm talking to the client. And I said, well, if you, first of all, if you look at it that way, you know, you got a problem to begin with. But second of all, that's what professionals do if you're in business and it's not just a hobby and you want to prevent being sued and you want to prevent misunderstandings because we as a, as human beings do not have perfect memories, far from it, right? Our, our minds are not filing cabinets with, we organize everything. It's a big box with sticky notes. Those notes are stuck to different things. You and I, I bet you we come back here in six months and you will have a different recollection of what we spoke about than I will. And we'd listen back to it and it'd probably be something different than the both of us remember. So that's just the nature of dealing with things. And when we're so busy and we're so bombarded with information and people want this, we want, it's just a very dangerous way to do it. So you have to, first of all, have operating agreements between your partners that whether it's uh, articles of incorporation, bylaws, whatever, however you run your company that says, this is what I do, this is what you do, this is what we're entitled to do, this is what we can make ourselves liable for, this is what happens if we break up, die, become disabled, whatever. Maybe sometimes you need a separate buy-sell agreement to deal with those kind of issues, death, disability, retirement, involuntary termination, things like that. But you also need to do business in writing. You need to do business with customers in writing. Now, if you're a grocery store, obviously, that's a little bit different. But you, you're dealing, if, even if you're a grocery store, you're buying supplies from somewhere, that should be in writing because there are misunderstandings and misdeliveries all the time. What are the rules? And you and I both know we go to court. The judge isn't going to say, well, I understand. You tell me what you think. Judge is going to have a tough time with that if it's not in writing. And he may hold it against you. So, you know, you have those kind of issues to deal with. And I just find it very, what's the word? I'm frustrating is the word, but you know, when I, I'm brought into a situation that I wasn't involved with and I'm trying to clean up something because, you know, this guy invested money in the company and then he's supposed to become an owner. And now he is, but the guy was supposed to pay him back and he's been making, and I've had situations where the 
the guy is a, a non-practicing attorney. He's in, right? So he, he writes his own agreements and he thinks he should write it himself, promissory notes or whatever agreements, you know, and it's just a mess. Or they, they're like, well, we had emails and text messages back and forth. Well, that doesn't make a contract. It may make a contract to make a really bad one. You know, so I find that that's the number one habit that people need to get into to run their business. They have to understand that don't trust what you believe. Don't trust what other people you do business with believe. Put it in writing and make it a habit to do so. That's the number one thing. Yeah. And that's the number one. That's kind of what we said earlier is as attorneys, we get, you know, we get, do get paid to put these things into place properly. Uh, right. But we can't pay it a lot better if people haven't put them into place properly. That's what I'm constantly encouraging people. You can lead them to water, right? To, and maybe they hear enough conversations like this and they get it. Some people do put it in too, but the majority do not. And they sort of, as you say, try to cobble it together until it becomes yeah. a bigger problem. And that's what uh, I find. I, I get involved as it becomes a bigger problem. Try to yeah. put a proper foundation at that point and undo some of the damage that has been done. What's the best way of doing that? So you see something and yeah. do, you, do you oftentimes just say, okay, let's just rip this down. Let's you know, build a proper foundation. Uh, if you know if stuff's all been cobbled together, internet precedents and things like yeah, that. Yeah, let's start with a fresh operating agreement. Let's redo your business contracts. I mean, usually when I'm brought in, that's where I start. I want to look at their incorporation documents, what they're using to run the business. Do they run the business anyway? If they have, what what kind of contracts do you have out there? So at least I know what's coming potentially, and then try and fix it. And you're right, we we can make more money from their mistakes, but ultimately it makes for a soured client relationship because they they're never happy, and I don't blame them. You know, they're always getting bills. We're trying to fix it up. So if they just, and sometimes it's hard when you're a small business owner, right? You already put money into the business. You got to put a security deposit down on your space. You got all these other things. And to then go pay an attorney with what could be, I don't know, three to $5,000 worth of work one time that you and I both know will save you a lot down the road and give you a lot of, right? A lot of less heartache is sometimes it's a, it's a bitter pill to swallow. One thing I recommend to people if that, if they don't have, you know, the money to invest up front and they're more on a cash flow basis, put me on a retainer. I have different levels of retainer clients. I have from $6.99 a month startup, which gives them a certain amount of time on the phone, unlimited emails, and then discounts on other work, right? So if you have to prepare documents, even their, even their estate planning, they might get 50% off. And it goes up from there. I think it's $6.99, $13.99, $24.99. And then there's a package like unlimited at about four grand. Even the startup businesses for like six months, I'll do it for $99 for the first six months. So, you know, just with a, with the retainer that says, listen, if you cancel me in three months, you're going to get a bill for whatever it happens to be. Right. So there are ways to manage the cash flow and to do it effectively. If you find the right attorney, because I'm in New Jersey, not everybody listening is in New Jersey, the right attorney who will work on those basises. Also, that's a good relationship because then the attorney gets to know your business, right? Something comes in. And you get a claim or you get an argument. I'm on the phone saying, listen, you, you signed this. This is the agreement we have. This is what it says to their lawyer. And I know that because I know the business. I drafted it myself. Not that they cobbled it together. Now they're looking for a lawyer. They got to pay you 15 hours worth of work just to get to know what their business is and the whole thing. So it's always good to kind of keep somebody on retainer, kind of like your CPA. Nobody would like go to a different CPA every year. You have to explain to the new one, you know, what happened last year. Half the time you don't even know. So. You know, no, that's good thinking that way. You mentioned New Jersey, uh, jurisdiction wise, uh, yeah. where do you typically incorporate or recommend people incorporate? Well, for small business owners, there's really no reason to incorporate outside the state in which you're doing business. You know, if you're going to raise money, you're maybe from overseas and you're starting here, maybe Delaware makes sense because investors may be more comfortable with Delaware. But now with the way states work, there's really no advantage. If you're going public, it may 
be advantageous to use maybe Delaware. You know, there are some times where you jurisdiction shop for asset protection and things like that. But for the most part, I haven't found with small business owners, it's really necessary. Now, if they have to do business in another state, then you may want to pick and figure out, well, where's the business going to be located? And then we could file as an entity here and a foreign corporation in other states. But, you know, it gets, it gets a little hairy. But I, I usually discourage people because it just adds another filing. They're going to have to get a registered agent in Delaware and it gets complicated. There is one example that I use out of state. So um, there's something called a series LLC, which is very good for people that own multiple properties or multiple businesses or combination of that. It allows you to basically, you're shaking your head because you understand it, open a holding company, if you will, and then have little sub companies under that without having to refile for a new thing. It could save you time. It could save you money. And as long as you keep separate books and records for each little sub entity, they're separated for liability purposes. Really good for real estate. Delaware has a series LLC, and there's a couple of other states that have it. New Jersey does not. So you have to file it in Delaware and file it as a foreign entity doing business in New Jersey. But those, those are the only, only exceptions. I'm not yeah. a big yeah. Are you no. doing any uh, crypto or seeing anybody doing anything in the Web3 space? I haven't seen any, no. I've had a couple of people refer it to me, and I said, I don't really. Yeah, it's not, not getting not, into this it. We're yeah. small business owners, yeah. Yeah, no, it's yeah. just interesting. And then just even as an aside, right? So people talk on their estate planning, what they're yeah. what they're doing with those assets. Are you treating that any, any separately? Or are you treating it as an asset right now? Oh, no, for estate planning purposes? Yes. Okay, it's not a question about it. It's basically a stock. You know, I have I have some references and wills to digital assets and so forth, but I always encourage people to, you know, make sure that they have a, you know, a password vault or I don't know, something on a mountain in the Himalayas where they can get to and get the crypto password if they have you know, uh, Bitcoin or something, some other cryptocurrency, as well as other accounts. I mean, it's funny, I go on like LinkedIn, and I still get every once in a while, like recommend this recommendations to link to colleagues that I know that have passed away, because probably their spouse has no access to their account, and they haven't taken time to notify LinkedIn or I'm sure there's a process. So I encourage there's legacy. Yeah, exactly. There's ways to set up uh, legacies with respect to all these accounts. Definitely. I think you had it hit on the head is at least providing to you know, significant other or an estate trustee, or I guess yeah. your attorney, a list of things that they could track down passwords and things to find things if need be, if you're disappear, right? If something was to happen. Yeah. I have a, an online service I use called DocuBank, which is, it's a, it's a commercial service available publicly, but they work through attorneys. Um, so it's usually less expensive through an attorney. But so each of my clients that subscribe to that service, the retainer clients, or they can subscribe separately get an electronic vault. And in that vault, there's some healthcare things, emergency healthcare provisions and stuff, but their wills go in there, uh, business agreements, you know, formation documents, any of the permanent stuff, deeds, stuff like that. But they also can put in things like password lists, uh, medication lists. They get a wallet card that basically says, listen, if you go into a hospital, it's really good for people that parents like in Florida, because you'll find out three days later, your mom was in the emergency room. She'll tell you about, oh, I'm fine. If she went to the emergency room and they ordered her living will using the card, the healthcare directive, you would get notified. So would I, of course, but it's a good service. Um, and then, then you can put it online. I think you can also name a digital executor who would get notified of the availability of the information. If the you were to power pass. of all these technologies, right. And to, to start leveraging these. Uh, now you've written on this, uh, you've got a book yeah. coming shortly. Tell me about that. Yeah. The book it, you laughed before, but the book is called 10 ways to get sued by anyone and everyone. A small business owner's guide to staying out of court. Uh, I with a publicist friend of mine, Barry Cohen, and we've interviewed and put together about 10, plus there's two bonus chapters, things that you know you need to think about. One of them, obviously, the theme, the trailing theme is it putting things in writing. But you know, we go over employment law and collections, and I talk to I talk to a memory expert in the book 
We even talked to a divorce specialist about, you know, if your business breaks up, how does that affect something? If you're in the middle of divorce or you get divorced, what does your spouse has rights to in your business and all that kind of stuff? So it's a, I hope it's a, not the kind of book like it's a story. People are going to read the whole thing, but I hope they use it as a guide, you know, to, but I got to thank my friend Barry because I would have never, ever, ever written this book. I mean, you just can't pull it out of me. I'll write contracts all day long, but to write a book and to put it together and to get the whole thing done, it was, it was a bear of a, of a job, but we just got the copyright a couple of weeks ago, waiting to hear back from the publisher with the, you know, final manuscript. And hopefully it'll be available on Amazon and in Kindle and format. And you can order a book maybe March, hoping. Yeah. I no, know. as you say, it's a huge, uh, it's a huge endeavor. So congratulations on getting uh, to the last stages of that. We'll look for that. What's the best way for people to reach you or find you if uh, they're interested in chatting more or maybe at some point finding the book? Yeah. So I have two websites, one for the law firm, bindhackerlaw.com. Right to make sure you spell my name right with an H A K E R. I almost got a client evicted because the attorney didn't write down my email correctly. You spell my name wrong. And um, my other site is MitchBeinhacker.com. So the Mitch Beinhacker website has the book. I think it just is coming soon. Right now, it's a couple of ebooks on there. The podcast, my podcast behind me, the Accidental Entrepreneur, is available on there too. You can subscribe. So that's a good way to connect with me. And obviously, all the connections there are to I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram and. I'm not that active on anything but LinkedIn, but you know, any, every time an episode gets published, it goes out on all the all the services and stuff like that. We're actually going live this Thursday. I don't know when the episode's coming out, but we're starting live episodes once a month. So I'm going live Thursday through Riverside FM. I think it's going to stream to a few platforms. We'll find out, and then I'll have my first guest on uh, in March. Great Thursday, stuff, Thursday. Yeah, great stuff. Well, Mitchell, really appreciate all that. Appreciate uh, your time here today, and uh, yeah, we'll be watching for that for sure. I love to end these episodes with something that somebody listening can take with them through the rest of the day, the rest of the week. What's a piece of advice, something that's worked for you in your own business that you can encourage others to maybe implement into theirs for life success? Yeah, absolutely. I give uh, advice to people all the time, my own the way I run my practice, things like that. I think one of the shortcomings I find for business owners is that they tend to not make it a habit of keeping in touch with people, especially if they're not a you know heavy on marketing, you know, they have a retail store or whatever. So you know, build an email list stay in touch with people. I've been guilty of it in my career where somebody asked me for like a referral to an estate planning attorney and they were my business client. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's my fault, right? For not keeping them informed about what I do. So there's a book called The Referral of a Lifetime. It's one of the, my favorite books. I just mentioned it on another podcast recently. And it's like, it's a parable. It's a story about a woman who goes to this people that she meets and teaches her about, you know, why you keep in touch with people and how to, you know, honor your clients and how to get started in that area and so forth. Because if you figure we each know about 250 people that really know who JP McAvoy is, right? And Mitch Beinhacker is. So if I connect with those 250 and they each know 250, just at the first level, it's like 62,000 people or something like that, right? So, you know, keeping in touch is important. I get things all the time and I'm thinking, now who's the person who told me that they did that? But but if I do get to contact for something like like a mortgage or title insurance or whatever, those people I keep in contact with regularly, they're top of mind. So that's probably one of the keys to building a good business. You go into a restaurant and they have a, a fishbowl and you put your card in and you think to yourself, I'm never going to hear from these people. Unless I win the free lunch, I'll never hear from these people. But they have this pot of gold of people that literally came to your establishment, raised their hand and said, hey, I want to be a customer. And here's my card, and you don't do anything with their contact information. So it's a little silly, but it's a common, it's a common overlooked thing. You think of me, well, that makes sense. Nobody does it. You want to build a podcast audience? Build an email list. You know, 
It's the same thing. So that's my, besides putting everything in writing, definitely my, my advice would be that's where you start. Start by building an email list so you can send things out, coupons, information, events, whatever it is. And then you could build it from to social media from there, you know? It, as you say, it, it builds from there. Mitchell, thanks so much for this here today. Uh, appreciate this. We will continue to build from here. Look forward. Please stay in touch. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, JP. Thanks for listening to The Millionaire's Lawyer. Please subscribe and rate on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. To get your business millionaire assessed and to access the wide variety of resources that we offer in addition to this podcast, go to jpmcavoy.com. That's J-P-M-C-A-V-O-Y dot com.